I want to consider the topic of, of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. This is found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6, where Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I don't know if you've ever been really hungry before, but I've been really hungry many times in my life. And there's one time in particular that I think of. Uh, when I was much younger, uh, it was, I was probably five or six years old or so, I, I went up to Grammy and I said, Grammy, I have never been full. I've just ne- my mom, mom and dad won't let me get full. And like any other good grandma, she bought right into that, my absurd statement, and said, well, Brenton, we're going to get you full. You will be full. And so her and Pappy devised this plan where they were going to come pick me up. They picked me and Kaylin up, and I think Zane and Alexis were with me, I'm pretty sure. And we made our way to Norman, and we stopped at the McDonald's. And I got what any other kid would get, probably a salad and some fruit and some juice. Um, and, and so we made our way to more, and we stopped at another McDonald's. And then to Yukon, and we stopped at one more. And then Weatherford, and however many McDonald's there are, from Norman to Allison, we stopped at all the McDonald's. And I got all the food I wanted and all the drinks. And, and it wasn't salad, by the way. It was the, the good stuff, the chicken and the fries and the Coke. And at the end of the day, Grammy said, are you full now? And I said, oh, I am full. I had finally been filled. And part of that is I went to the person that I know would try to fill me. If I went to my parents and said, Mom, Dad, you never let me get full. I, I really need to be full. They would have looked at me like I was crazy and said, go outside or something and kind of blow it off. But I went to the person that I knew would fill me, and that was Grammy. That wasn't my parents. And, and as Christians, we hunger and thirst for different things. We crave and desire to be filled with different things. And so it's important that we go to the one who will fill us. And that's what Jesus calls to mind to his audience at this time in Matthew chapter 5. A little bit of background. That's Matthew chapter 5. In chapter 4, Jesus had just spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting and praying. Matthew chapter 4, we'll just read the first couple verses there. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now that seems like a really obvious statement, does it not? After, after 40 days of not eating anything, of course, you know, you're going to be hungry. But, after, but during that time, he prayed as well. And when Satan gave him the temptation of, well, turn this stone to bread, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones to bread, Jesus had already been filled throughout those 40 days. He didn't need the bread to be filled. So Jesus knew what it took to be filled by God. And so as he talks there in Matthew chapter 5, tells people to, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, he had known what that was like because he had just been through that as we see in the previous chapter. And so it's important to us to crave and desire the right things and to put away the evil things and the worldly things that oftentimes try to get our full attention. So uh, the, the Bible has uh, several things to say about craving and desiring. In Proverbs chapter 11, in verse number 6, it says, The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. Now, 99% of the time, if not 100% of the time, 
when the scripture uses the word lust, it's a very negative thing. There's a lot of negative connotation that goes along with, their, with that word. Right? The unfaithful will be caught by their lust, by their cravings, and by their desires. Unhealthy physical appetites will most of the time put us in tough situations as we get older in age. When I was in college, it wasn't an unusual occasion for me and Zane to go to Chicken Express two or three times in one week. And we wouldn't just get the small meals, we'd get the big meals, and we'd eat them all, and it was great. But, you know, over time, and, and all that chicken and all that grease kind of accumulates and, and will negatively affect your physical health. And the same thing goes spiritually, right? The unspiritual, or the, the unhealthy spiritual cravings and desires will just set a trap for our lives. The unfaithful will be caught by their lust. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 28, Jesus continuing his sermon on the mount, he says, I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So the problem starts in the heart. The problem starts in our minds. Most of the time what we do and the way that we act and the decisions we make are a result from what we have in our hearts and what we have in our minds. And so having those unhealthy cravings and desires will just result in sin and it will result in damaging our relationship with God as Christians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse number 6 we read, now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So Paul in the previous verses is recalling the Christians uh, to the Old Testament, to the children of Israel. You know, after they had left Egypt after God had freed them from that bondage. Pretty soon afterward, right, they wanted to worship the idol once again. As Moses was up on the mountain receiving the commandments from God, he had been gone a very long time, and they got worried, and they thought, well, well, let's, let's make this calf, and, and we'll worship it. And they kind of reverted back to their old ways that they had uh, been doing this idol worship in Egypt. And throughout the rest of the Old Testament, you just see time and time again a, a roller coaster for the children of Israel as they would have good times and they'd revert back to their old ways and, and the people around them were terrible influences on them and brought idol worship oftentimes to God's people and they followed after those things. They lusted, they craved, and they desired those evil things. And Paul said that these things have become our examples and the intention is that we should not lust after evil things, period, as they also lusted. Because the result of those cravings and desires led them to committing those actions, right? And then eventually they were punished. Eventually uh, they were taken away captive uh, to, to Babylon and other places. And so as God's people, it's important that we crave and we desire the right things. And we don't crave and desire the evil things uh, just, just as our spiritual ancestors did, the children of Israel. Because many times it just led them to trouble time and time again. So instead, crave and desire good spiritual things, right? That seems obvious. Good uh, healthy appetites and good healthy cravings and desires will help our bodies as we age over time. And the same thing goes for us spiritually. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, we read, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the, the, the New Testament church oftentimes struggled because there were Jews 
who had become Christians, and there were Gentiles who had become Christians. And the Jews wanted to bring some of the stuff from the old law, from the law of Moses, to the Gentiles and, and force the Gentiles to follow those commandments. Uh, other, otherwise, they may not fellowship with them, or, or they may tell them that they're not pleasing God. And so Paul said, in, in order to combat against that lust of the flesh, he says, walk in the Spirit. Right? Crave and desire the things of God, the things of the Spirit. What's one way that will greatly help us and assist us in doing so? In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 1, we read, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has seized from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. So these Christians that Peter was writing to were going through a lot of persecution. And so kind of after the first three chapters, uh, Peter is telling the people, because of these things, because Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, he said, arm yourselves with that same mind. Arm yourself with the mind of Christ. Combat those lusts of the flesh by changing the way you think and by changing what's in your heart and what you crave and desire for. Right? Because Jesus, the whole time he was here on this earth, never lived for himself. He lived for God. He lived to do God's will and to obey what God had wanted him to accomplish. Right? We've spent enough of our past in doing the will of the Gentiles. We've spent enough of our past doing what we wanted to do, doing what we crave and desire. So now it's time for us to crave and desire God. It's time for us to crave and desire God's will. So there's, there's a few things that people seek to be filled with. And these aren't inherently bad things, right? We know that there are clearly things that we shouldn't do as Christians. We want to put those things aside, but now there's kind of this void, right? We, we understand as we begin to empty things out of our life, we need to fill them back with something else. And a lot of people, uh, not just in the world, but sometimes in the church can really struggle with trying to find what they need to fill themselves with. And Solomon, as he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, Billy Bob mentioned a, a couple of verses in Ecclesiastes this morning. And we'll read a few scriptures from Ecclesiastes and see what it was that Solomon sought to be filled with and why these things were vain. In ver er, chapter 1, and verse 13 and 14, Solomon said, I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven, this burdensome task God has given to the sons of man by which they may be exercised. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity and grasping for the wind. As Solomon uh, took a look at his life and the way that he lived, he noticed that he had done a lot of work to seek and to search out wisdom concerning everything that happens in this world. Now there's nothing wrong with having wisdom of this world. In fact, we need a little bit of wisdom in order to have jobs. We need wisdom in order to make a living for our families. But at the end of the day, right, he had given so much time and effort to finding this wisdom that he called it vain. It was vanity. It was grasping for the wind, something that wasn't going to satisfy and fill. Indulgence. 
Solomon never, uh, never turned down uh, an opportunity to indulge in what he wanted to do. And in chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, we'll read verses 1, 3, and 10. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. But surely this also was vanity. I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. He said that this was vanity as well. Enjoy pleasure. Now, there's nothing wrong with having good, clean fun. That's what I did all weekend. I had good, clean fun. And it's some of the best times that you can have when, when you're with your friends and, and your family in Christ. You can have a lot of fun and a lot of good times. There's nothing wrong with indulging but to live your life for that indulgence, right? Solomon called that vanity. Whatever his eyes desired, he did not keep from them. He had lost nearly all self-control. Whatever he saw and he wanted, he took. He did not withhold his heart from any pleasure. Now, living our lives to have fun will most of the time just simply get in our way. If we want to grow and crave and desire God's word, but then there's all this fun to be had in the world, and it's not, it won't even necessarily be bad things. That takes up our time, and that takes up our effort, and it takes our attention away from what's truly important. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 18, Solomon said, Then I hated all my labor in which I had toiled under the sun, because I must leave it to the man who will come after me. In verse 23 of Ecclesiastes chapter 2, he said, for all his days are sorrowful and his work burdensome. Even in the night his heart takes no rest. This also is vanity. Solomon hated his work. Not because work provided for him, right? But because in the end, you're just going to leave it to somebody else. You won't take your work with you when this body perishes. All his days are sorrowful. His work is burdensome. Work can be tough sometimes, but unfortunately that's a punishment from sin. When God cast Adam and Eve out of the garden, Adam had to toil and work hard in order to provide for his family. And it was stressful. And work is stressful for us today as well. But some people still try to live for their work. There's people that I work with where they come in early and they stay very late and they leave late and they do it over and over again and they just constantly live for work. But there's much more out there for us than just work and earning a good living. But of course, work inherently is not bad and is also commanded that we work. Another thing that people seek to be filled by continuously is money. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 10 and 11, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. So what profit have the owners except to see them with their eyes? This might be the most common thing that people seek, crave, and desire to be filled with is money. Love, silver, will not be satisfied with silver. Loving the abundance of possessions will not be satisfied with the abundance of possessions. You just have to have more. And so as Solomon surveyed his life, he, he noticed some of these things. And these are things I think that many people in the world seek, crave, and desire to be filled by. And as I mentioned, they're not bad things. 
But when we put so much focus and priority on these things, they just get in our way. So instead, in the end, what fills us? We read this verse this morning, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. So what will fill us in the end? What will fill that void and stay there in the end? Fearing God and keeping his commandments. That's man's purpose. That's Solomon concluded his survey of his life so to be filled spiritually one thing that we need to do is know the love of christ not just know the love of christ but live out the love of christ in ephesians in ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14 through 19 for this reason i bow my knees to the father of our lord jesus christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So as Paul said this prayer, probably not just this one time, as Paul said this prayer on behalf of the churches uh, for the Ephesians, that he would grant them spiritual strength, that he would grant them strength through his spirit, that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith, that they would know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that they would be filled with the fullness of God, to be filled by knowing and understanding the love of Christ. By knowing and understanding the love of Christ, you don't need the riches of this world. You don't need to have the greatest job. You don't have to be the CEO of, of some big company. You don't have to have all the fun. You don't have to have all the worldly wisdom. What you need is the love of Christ. To know and understand and live, you will be, fi- you will be filled with the fullness of God. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with with the Spirit. In Ephesians, uh, the same chapter in verse 1, Paul calls uh, the Ephesians to imitate Christ, to be imitators of Him, to be filled with the Spirit, not to be filled with things of this world. They all vanish, they all disappear at some point, but rather to be filled with the Spirit. So what are a couple of examples where we see people who truly crave and desire God, who hunger and thirst for that righteousness, who seek to be filled with the Spirit, with that gift. One person that I think of is Cornelius, in his example through prayer. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. One who feared God, a God-fearing man, as we talked about this morning. You know what he did? He prayed to God always. Now, he wasn't a Christian at this point. Cornelius was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. He did not have the gospel preached to him at this time, but he knew God, he knew who he was, and he feared him. He respected God, and he prayed to God always. Cornelius was hungering and thirsting for righteousness, if anyone else. And of course, Peter was sent by God to preach to Cornelius and all his household, and they were baptized for the remission of their sins. They were now a part of that kingdom. They had now been filled 
If you maybe struggle sometimes in what you're craving and desiring, spend a lot of time in prayer. Spend a lot of time in prayer. In Acts chapter 17 and verse uh, 10 through 12, we see the examples of the Bereans and their hunger and desire for God's word. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness, and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. So what were these people? They were more fair-minded. They were more open-minded. They received the word with all readiness. They searched the scriptures daily to find out whether the things they were being taught were so. And as a result, many of them believed. Many of them believed and were baptized. And so a hunger and thirst for God's word, craving and desiring God's word, will lead to great spiritual growth. Take this example to heart. If you're struggling, maybe, in, in your priorities and, and the things that you're trying to fill your life with, fill it with God's word. Take time every day to read God's word and it will begin to fill you. You'll, you will have that sense that you are being filled. So just a few closing thoughts as we conclude this afternoon. One thing is that God offers filling that won't go dry. When God fills you, you will be filled. In Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 1, we read, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Here and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you the sure mercies of David. This sounds a lot like what Christ was telling his audience in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, for God, you will be filled. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Buy wine and milk without money and without price. Christ offered a sacrifice on our behalf. Christ died on the cross for our sins, and he paid the price that we deserve to pay, but he took it upon himself. And that gift of salvation that he offers is now free. It's without price. It's without charge. Eat what is good. This everlasting covenant, uh, the sure mer mercies of David, if you recall when, when King David, uh, God had, had come to him and had made all these promises to David. He had promised David that he would establish his throne forever. And he established his throne by sending his son, by sending his son to die for our behalf, to establish God's kingdom forever, that it will never fail. Eat what is good. Desire and crave God's mercy. Desire and crave that gift that Jesus offers us. In John chapter 4 and verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. The physical water that we drink, we will still be thirsty. The food that we eat, we will still be hungry again. But Jesus promises, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. 
when we accept that gift from God and, and we obey the gospel in baptism, we will never thirst spiritually again. We will have the spirit within us and we will be replenished and renewed day by day. If we try to live God for God and, and try to live for righteousness and continue that hunger and that thirst for righteousness. In Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 7, There is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing, and one who makes himself poor, yet has great riches. What do you crave and desire? What do you seek to be fulfilled by? One who makes himself rich, in the end, doesn't have a whole lot as they perish. But one who makes himself poor will have great riches. One who is poor and desires God's kingdom, desires God's word, will be rich with the riches of heaven that God has promised us. And if you're here this afternoon and you're not a Christian, you haven't accepted that gift that God has offered, that offer still stands today. You can be filled spiritually if you obey Christ's death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. Or maybe you're here this afternoon and maybe... This all seems very obvious, and it should be. I hope it is. It's obvious, but at the same time, it's so hard to live out. We all struggle every day with, with what we prioritize. We all struggle every day with what we want to do and, and knowing what God wants us to do and choosing between those things. Our cravings and our desires a lot of time don't line up with God's word. And it's a, it's a very hard task for us to do so, to change our hearts and our minds to have the mindset of Christ. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.